Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're busy with the holidays, just stop what you're doing and join us to run with the Game Changers. I never said that before because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a lady named Laura Zifchak, and she says, The budgets are opening up to HR, and they're going digital with everything. I hear excitement about that. I hear opening the gifts under the tree or whatever decoration you have in your home or your office. So let's take a look and see what we're talking about today. It's the time of year. Come on, today we're live. It's December 12, 2018. Counting up or counting down. It's the time of the year for HR to sit back. I don't know what they're going to drink, but they're going to look back and reflect on 2018 and make plans to move forward. From the employee experience, we all know that's been a big buzz, a big reality check for a lot of HCM, HR departments this year, to GDPR. Yes, we're talking data privacy. HR has experienced its share of forced transformation this year. Whether you liked it or not, it was happening. What has transformed the way HR thinks and what HR is responsible for? But looking at the big picture, has anything really changed? I have a panel of three experts, and they're going to talk about the current and future uses of emerging technologies in HR. Going to take a look and assess whether HR is any closer to getting that seat at the C-suite table, the one they've been trying to get for years. Some companies have it. Most, not quite so much. They might have a little couple toes in the door, but they're not there yet. And what 2018, looking back, can teach all of us in HR for the coming year in 2019. So welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have to do a shout out to our listeners before I introduce the panel. You have made the HR theme so successful at Game Changers Radio that it was our most popular Game Changers theme in the month of November 2018. So we are grateful to all of you for letting us know through your listenership that this matters to you. And I just got the word that Dr. Patty Fletcher, who happens to be on our panel today, who is the sponsor of this series, is going going to renew for 2019, so we have a lot more great information coming your way. Now let me tell you who's on the show today. We're welcoming Art Mazur. If you want to look him up, his full name is Arthur, last name M-A-Z-O-R. He is Deloitte's Human Capital Practice Digital Leader and the Global Practice Leader for HR Strategy and Employee Experience at Deloitte. Shout out to his colleague Carla Neal, who is everything to us at Deloitte and helps us get wonderful people on our panels. Joining him on the panel is Lori Rudiman. She was on a couple of years ago. She's the founder of Glitch Path. We'll find out what that is. And Let's Fix Work podcast. And she knows that work needs to be fixed. So we'll be talking to Lori, welcoming her back. And she's here in snowy North Carolina, where I am. And of course, rounding out the panel, as I mentioned, Dr. Patty Fletcher. She goes by the title of Leadership Futurist at SAP Success Factors, but she's really busy all over the world being the best-selling author of the book called Disruptors, Success Strategies for Women Who Break 
the mold. And Patty lives by that creed. I kind of think I do too, Patty. So there you go. So welcome to our panel. And now let's see what our first panelist, Art Mazer with Deloitte, has sent us for an opening quote. He's picked something from Dr. Maya Angelou, 1928 to 2014, American everything poet, memoirist, civil rights activist, seven autobiographies, three books of essays, books of poetry, credited for books, movies, plays, and TV spanning 50 years, dozens of awards. She received more than 50 honorary degrees. I wonder what that wall looked like. And her first autobiography was the one that made her put her on the map, made her famous. I know why the caged bird sings from 1969. Here's the quote. Be present in all things and thankful for all things by Maya Angelou. Art Mazur, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Doing great. How are you? Very glad. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you to ask. I'm well, and I love this quote. It's not the usual one we see from Maya Angelou. So we're talking HR. We're looking back over our shoulder. We're peering ahead into the crystal ball, or maybe not so crystal. Maybe it's really much clearer than that. So tell me, how does this quote relate to our topic, Art? You know, it's timely for our topic to me, and it, and it also is timely for this time of year, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. being thankful for where we are in the world is, is uh, never never a bad thing in, at any time of the year, but certainly now. And, you know, as I look at what's happening in the future of HR, what I'm finding is that uh, this is one of those moments that truly is rare in any sort of field, um, despite all kinds of declarations that, you know, HR is going to be something new over the many years. This time around is really different, and I think it's an opportunity for us all, and myself included, to be really present, to understand what's happening, to experience what's going on in the world, and it's exciting to me. Um, it's exciting for the field that we're in. I, I like to hear the word excitement, Art. Let me ask you a question, if I may. Is this something that people listening to the show, we know they're listening from all over the world. Do you think this is breaking news that HR is a time of excitement, that things are happening, life is changing in in the domain of HR, that it's a time where you just can't sit back and say, well, we've always done it that way, the reports are good enough, we'll treat employees this way, we'll give them this, we won't give them that. Do you think that there is this massive awareness or do you think we are breaking that news for them? What's your thought? I think I think everybody that's in it gets it. I think the the bigger news for for all of us is figuring out how to embrace that opportunity and seize it. So I I don't think it's breaking news that we're sharing here today necessarily, um, but I do think what is uh, sort of breaking for all of us is finding those solutions in a field of sort of a series of, of change that's happening that requires us to really get creative in ways we've never had to get creative before. I think that's that's the news of the day that many of the biggest uh, and most complex enterprises facing off with these challenges in the HR suite are really focusing on. Thank you very, very much. Do you think HR will change its name in 2019? Just a quick yes or no. If you say yes, don't tell me what it is. We'll save that for the predictions at the end of the show. <laughs> will it change its name, Art? Think- what do you think? I think I think it's happening, yes. Ah, I did not expect that to our listeners. We didn't rehearse that question and answer, so don't think we we planned that. Thank you very much. The check is in the mail. Let's go a little bit around the table to Lori Rudiman. Lori, so happy to have you back. We had a great prep call last week and discovered we live not far away from each other. That's why I said, hi, hey, snowy North Carolina. I moved to the south, and this is what I get. Okay, eight inches of snow, the beginning of December. Lori has sent us a wonderful quote from Robert Frost. I don't think Robert Frost has 
ever been quoted on our shows, Lori. So this was refreshing. He lived from 1874 to 1963, American poet. First, he was initially published in England before America understood who he was. And he's known for his realistic depictions of rural life and his command of American colloquial speech. He wrote about settings in New England in the early 20th century. He was honored many times. He won four Pulitzer Prizes for poetry. He became one of America's rare public literary figures, almost an artistic institution, and he received the Congressional Gold Medal in 1960 for his poetic works. And in 61, he was named Poet Laureate of Vermont. That's a lot of accolades to a poet. So here's the quote. Forgive me my nonsense, as I also forgive the nonsense of those that think they talk sense. I love it. Hi, Lori. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Bonnie. I'm so (laughs) glad, first of all, that we're neighbors. That's an exciting development. And thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, delighted. I love this quote. It rhymes, kind of, sort of. It's charming. And he's basically looking and he's, he's, he's kind of sticking out his tongue to people around him. So tell us how this relates to HR. I'm dying to know this one, Lori. Go ahead. Well, you asked me to come on a show and make predictions, and I thought, well, that's a dangerous game we're playing because sometimes everything old is new again, sometimes predictions are wrong. So I want to take this moment to just apologize in advance for anything that I predict that is silly and ridiculous, but also give grace to the people in front of me who have made predictions and have been wrong. We're in the season of forgiveness, and I'm going to need a whole lot of forgiveness with my predictions for 2019. I have never had a guest say that, Lori. No one has ever said that <laughs> in in a couple of yeah, thousand we'll get it wrong shows. Get it right. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that's a reality check. So go ahead, tell me about this quote. Are you going to insult someone or wake somebody up? Tell no, me. no, not at all. In fact, I just hope that people listen to our predictions throughout the show, and especially my predictions, and know that this quote is just meant to inspire a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness. We're in that season anyway, and we need grace and forgiveness to fix work in the first place. So for me, this quote just, it's got the right zeitgeist. It has the right feeling for how I want my experience on the show to be remembered. Okay, thank you very much. That's very interesting. But I'm I'm going to push you a little bit harder to find out the nonsense. Those that think they talk oh, sense. Oh, I hear you pushing me. Co- yeah, come on, yeah. come on. Let's let's talk to the HR professionals. Let's talk to the profession. Well, our- Go ahead. All right, Bonnie. Well, listen, we have been hearing for years that there are all of these trends in human resources, AI, robotics, digitization, personalization, big data. And for the average HR professional in Paducah, Kentucky, we're lucky if they're using Excel to recruit. Their biggest applicant tracking system is Outlook. And so for me, I think there are very smart individuals in the world of human resources who are doing cutting-edge things. But let's not forget the person who is either budget limited or resource constrained in the middle of the country who will hear some of these predictions and laugh in, laugh in all of our faces. Wow. That was a real reality check. I appreciate yeah. that. Let's leave yeah. that on Thank the table you. and we'll be talking more. No, seriously, you, we, we think 
big. We think globally. We think enterprise. I call them the big behemoth organizations. We don't often think about and address the smaller companies that you're right. Maybe sitting in a room with nothing more than Outlook and, and Excel, and that's all they have for tools. Interesting. Thank you, Laurie. We have a lot more to hear from you, and Patty Fletcher has been waiting patiently. Patty, I said that to a guest on a show last week, and he said, how do you know I'm patient? And it was a little bit of a check for me. So, Dr. Patty Fletcher is here. We'll just say that. And Patty has sent us a quote from someone who has never been quoted before in Game Changers. It's Tupac Shakur, uh, full name Tupac Amaru Shakur, born Lizanne Parish Crooks. He lived from 1971 to 1996. He was cut down in his prime uh, by, by a criminal. He was known by his stage name as Tupac, that's the number 2PAC, and Machiavelli, American rapper and actor, considered by many to be one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time. He was one of the best-selling music music artists. He sold over 75 million records around the world, and his work addressed contemporary social issues that plagued our inner cities, and he's considered a symbol of resistance and activism against inequities. Here is the quote. Do everything you can to make it around the system, over the system, or out the system. Patty, how have you been? I have been great, Bonnie. Thank you for coming back and joining me. I love to hear you on the show. We got a yay from our engineer when he heard you're going to be on the show today. Yay, Patty's back. Seriously, <laughs> not kidding. You've got we'll a fan club here. We'll money later. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know those checks are going around. So, Patty, honestly, a quote from Tupac Shakur: "You, a rap artist, cut down in his prime. Seriously, you got to tell me how it relates to our show. I'm very excited about this." You bet. Well, on the last time I was on, I think I had Snoop Dogg, so I'm, I'm really keeping with the theme here. Um, and I, I happen to think rap is like poetry, right? Bob Dylan was in the generation before me. This is the generation I grew up with. And so, and yes, those were two West Coast rappers, and Tupac and Snoop were definitely in the East Coast versus West Coast, which was a big rivalry. I love both. Um, I'm an and, not an or. So in, in terms of what, why I picked this quote for Tupac, it's so interesting to me when I work with you, Bonnie, to put these shows together, how I force myself not to really read what my fellow guests are going to say. I want to have my own voice, and yet it always seems that we all relate to each other, right, which is quite Mm -hmm. interesting. And so with this one, when I I think about what Art um, quoted with with Maya, it really um, is so very interesting because it does really force us to step back and think not just vision, but also execution, which brings in Lori's side, right? So you asked Art, will he be, is what we're saying going to be groundbreaking? And the truth is, mm-hmm. no. We've been talking vision. Where we have been challenged is in the execution, and that's where forgiveness really does come in. And it's not just those small companies in Kentucky that are scratching their heads going, are you kidding me right now with this AI stuff? You know, what the heck is it? But it's also the big companies that Art and I tend to work with. And Lori, I know you work with them as well, where we can talk about vision, but they're still struggling to get people to put their addresses in a system, right? So it's still mm-hmm. a challenge. And so what we have to do is step back and go, we so live in the system. Where can we meet people? How can we meet people where they are in order to enable them to understand some of these mindsets that reinforce our system are well over 100 years old. 
Mm-hmm. So we either disrupt them, we make our way around them, um, or over them. And we have to allow for forgiveness because the truth is a lot of this stuff in the execution is unprecedented. Both Lori and Art have talked about that. So we have to entrepreneur a little bit, right? We have to break some stuff. And we might think we know what it looks like in terms of the manifestation of these visions, but the truth is how could we possibly, right? And what works in one company might not work in another. So it really is let's separate ourselves from the people and instead look at the system because that is what we need to figure out what is working against us and therefore what do we need to change as we move from human capital or HR, excuse me, which is very payroll-based to the human capital or the people component um, of anybody who contributes to your system, to your to your success strategies. Thank you, Patty. Question for you. If somebody moves from the small company Lori was referencing to the bigger companies you and Art mostly deal with, and, and as you said, Lori does too, is there a shock and amazement on the part of when they get hired finding out that there are other ways HR deals with employees, that there are systems, there are procedures, there are processes, there might be new methods of training, of orientation? Is this a, a culture shock to people who go from very little to very big company in one swoop? What tends to happen is the culture shock is on the number of complexities, right? This this okay. organization does this specific thing within this specific HR organization. So there are multiple silos and therefore very complex landscapes. Um, there's a lot more money, but there's also a lot more constraint, and it's hard to see things through. And so, and there are multiple things that shock them, right? Of course, like you go into any big company, the more people, the more people in charge, the more silos. So it, it tends absolutely there's. There's some things that are better, some things that are not as great when you are so far away from the solutions, um, but mm-hmm. when you also have so many people involved. And so I think it's more culture shock in terms of the, the silos and the constraints, and then that, of course, then informs, and therefore, the, the solutions that we have. And lots of our companies have multiple solutions to solve the same problems because, you know, they're legacy. So there's a lot. And then when it comes to the, the new emerging stuff, like the AI and and machine learning, I think it must be quite interesting to have read about those things and then see how the more progressive companies are starting to test those. And that's probably more exciting for someone coming in and trying to get their hands around it. And by the way, you know everybody is saying to them, does this mean jobs are going to go away? What are you Mm -hmm. doing to us, right? Which is absolutely the wrong conversation to be having. Wow, thank you very much. Yeah, that is the big worry. That's what we hear, Patty, on our shows where we focus more on, on technology. We talk about data scientists as being an emerging, uh, an, an emerging, I won't even call it a profession. We did a show recently on business analyst by day, data scientist at night. And we <laughs> talked about wearing the cape. And then on my prediction show today, somebody said, Data scientists will, the, the idea, the concept, the, 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 the niche, shall we say, it's going to die in 2019. And I was just devastated because I'm thinking of all these people who are using analytics and saying, oh, I have a new way of approaching helping my company, a new way of expanding my my knowledge base and, and my contributions to the company. It's going to die. So we had to clarify that with somebody who understands it a little bit better. That was a shock and amazement. Thank you, Patty. Let's go around the table. Art Mazer, you're up first. I have three little questions for you. First of all, we want to know where in the world you are calling from today, a city, a state, a region, a continent, a little bit of something so our global audience can wave to you if you're nearby. Number two, I usually say, what are you drinking? What's in your cup? But we're so close to the holidays. What's your favorite holiday beverage? And number three, tell us about your role at Deloitte. 
Art Mazer, you're up. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, so I am hailing uh, today from the central section of the United States uh, at a client site here and uh, sort of based out of Atlanta, but, have, you know, happily here in the middle of the country right now where it is a sunny and beautiful day for a change, which is really nice. Uh, looking ahead to the holidays and drinking sounds like a fine thing to me here uh, at any moment of the day. So um, <laughs> there's going to be something to do with bourbon. I, that's just a winter thing for me. So uh, I don't know what it'll look like, but it's going to be brown in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you for that. Now, that now was an interesting way to else. describe I, it. Yes, go ahead. That's <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. This glass of water I have next to me is now looking really lame. Um and now roll at Deloitte, and we get boring as compared to my drinking habits. Uh, I think um, I am you know, really, really uh, fortunate with the opportunity I have every day. I, I get to collaborate with really large, complicated global enterprises, and uh, in doing so, help to transform and rethink the way HR works um, and the value that it brings and the way that human capital can uh, drive value into a, into a business and an enterprise. So I've had the chance to be doing this uh, human capital Thing, if you will, for almost 25 years now. And um, at Deloitte, I get a chance to look after a lot of that work, as you referenced, uh, that we do for our clients and help to uh, steer the uh, work in good directions to drive business value and, and ultimately outcomes business cares about. So that's how I spend my time uh, in, in the work world. Thank you very much, Art. I'm still intrigued by the thing that you're going to be putting in the glass and the color of it. Is it going to be added perhaps to eggnog or to a punch somewhere along the way? Or is it going to be on the rocks? Come on, I want to know. On the well, rocks? I don't know. Now you're, now you're giving me some good recipe ideas. Well, I, we'll have to see. This sounds good. Okay, you're going to write us back and keep us posted. Thank you very much. Lori Rudiman, a couple of questions. Where are you today? I think I know. Number two, what's your favorite holiday beverage? Something interesting that's coming up for you New Year's Eve or sooner or after. And third question is, tell us what you do. Your bio is fascinating to me. There were so many things in it. I wasn't sure how to list you. So I put Glitch Path and Let's Fix Work. So tell us who you really are. Those three questions, Lori. Sure. Well, thanks again for having me. You know, I am based in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is just a wonderful place to live, a hidden gem in America. And we're getting about 100 new people in our town each day. And Bonnie, you're one of them. You've come down to North Carolina. You found the beauty of the area. And we love it. But don't tell many more people, please. We're getting crowded. (laughs) I know it's getting crowded. I know. They've sold out the fifth phase of building in my community here. Five is sold, four is sold, one. I think there's a couple of houses left, and now we're looking at resales. So, yes, it is definitely a mecca. And, Lori, a lot of people came from my area. From I'm from New York, and I was there last 35 years in Great Neck on Long Island. And there are so many people I'm meeting here. There's one block I hear where they were all neighbors on Long Island, and they bought a block of houses when this was just going up here. The whole block is Long Island people. Oh, my Wow. It's just just mass immigration into the area. Well, we love it here. We're down here in this area because my husband works in the pharmaceutical industry. And you asked what I'm drinking this holiday season. And I'm originally from Chicago. I spent my first 17 years there. And there is a chocolate company in Chicago called Vosier. And they make a wonderful hot chocolate. It's called Aztec Elixir. And so I'll be Mm. drinking that. And it's dark chocolate, some chili, some cinnamon, Mexican vanilla bean. It's just delicious. And normally we don't have snow here in North Carolina in December, or really at all. But 
I'm drinking this now. We are chilly today, so I need some hot chocolate in my cup. So that's really I have, what I've got I have going pictures on there. of it. They're, I, they're selling Aztec Elixir 16-ounce hot cocoa on Amazon. I found it at Vogue, V-O-S-G-E-S, Vogue Chocolate. I found it well, at yeah. the food, foodnetwork.com. has a recipe for it as well. Very, very interesting. Yeah, Prep time, it's 10 lovely. Minutes. It's lovely. You can get it at... Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it from scratch. I'm going to give it a try. So now, tell us what it. do you do? Will the real Lori Rudiman please stand up and talk to us? <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank you for asking. Like art, I find talking about myself to be incredibly boring. But I'm a writer and a speaker and an entrepreneur. And part of my work in writing is to amplify good ideas and tell stories about fixing work. So I work with large technology companies and small on content marketing strategies. I also have a podcast called Let's Fix Work. But then I have this weird little hobby where I like to tinker in the world of tech. And I am not a technologist at all. I'm a legacy human resources leader. But about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I threw in with a bunch of fellas and we started working on a piece of tech, a platform to really rethink project management, and it's called Glitch Path. And we're using the concept of a pre-mortem to understand how projects fail. So before you do a project, you collaborate with your colleagues, and you think a little bit about how a project might fail. And from there, you can better inform the outcomes of your project before you put it in Basecamp, Trello, Asana. So yeah, I love project management. I love tech. I'm just playing around. It's a hobby, and I really appreciate you asking about it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Larry. You're very kind. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And uh, let's move around the table to Patty Fletcher. Patty, where are you today? You told me you're not doing the book tour right now, so I'd love to know where you are. What's your favorite drink, Patty? I bet that's going to be interesting. And update us on your role and your book tour. Go ahead, Patty. Absolutely. So I'm surprise, surprise, home today, working just outside of Boston. It is sunny and a lovely 36 degrees, which by February will feel like t-shirt weather. Um, (laughs) So today, not so much, and cracking up that that you guys in the south um, got snow, and Bonnie, behind your back, I did blame you for that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Patty. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So um, my holiday drink is... Is a Saint Germain cocktail, just like my drink any 365 days a year. Um, I discovered it when my best friend made it for me, um, Heather, which, Lori, I think you know who she is, um, a few years ago, and it's just refreshing no matter the, the time of year. So I'll definitely be partaking in that. Um, so, yeah, excited about that. Um, perhaps I shall have one tonight uh, just to, you know, start the process. And um, yeah, so starting in January, I'm already booked out until August um, <laughs> with a bunch of, of uh, things around the future of work and the future of leadership, as well as um, being able to harness all the best and available talent by by disrupting all the unconscious bias in our systems. And Lori, you and I just had a, a great uh, podcast taping and um, out at a, a mutual uh, location where Lori, Lori does some some work out there. Um, so I'm excited for that to come up too where we talk all about disruption So in fixing work. So pretty excited about next year. 
Thank you very much, and you're going to be with me for another year. Patty, this is so great that you're doing this looking back at 2018 and 2019, and maybe we can use your crystal ball prediction at the end of the hour today to predict a little bit about the topics that you are going to plan for for your editorial calendar for next year. Uh, I, I do have to tell our listeners that we get monthly statistics, monthly listener stats. No, we don't know who you are. We don't collect your data. Nobody get nervous, but we know how many listens, how many people listen live how many people download the podcast they are free how many people click to listen on demand at the links and it was with great glee and shock and amazement that i shared with patty a few days ago that in november we have two series that preceded her that are also on the hr theme hr trends and one was hr leaders and those shows have not been on the air for a couple of years but they're obviously available in archives the three hr series including patty's current series together combined had as many listeners if not maybe one or two more than our coffee break with game changers flagship series that has never happened in seven years that one theme would combine over the years to be the most popular so we are listening to you we are hearing you and we are going to come back with more great hr topics in 2019 patty i am i was so thrilled to be able to tell you that so just a quick update i'm here in durham i shoveled half of the driveway it's half melted a little slushy doesn't mean it was an easy shoveling job, kids, because I have to get the car out tomorrow. It is a slightly gray day, but it was sunny. I'm living on a pond with a beautiful fountain that just explodes with light and color at night, and it was beautiful this morning. And the plants are doing well, thank you very much, including the poinsettia. And I am drinking, everybody knows, cool, clear water because they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, but I did sneak a little bit of Harris Teeter light eggnog. There was a little bit left in the carton, and I had it before the show. So I don't think there was any caffeine in that, Patty, do you? But I did. It gave me a little bit of a sugar boost. So there you go. Long day. So we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do even a deeper dive. We've already started talking about it. Title of today's episode is Farewell 2018. I think we need music for that. Welcome 2019 HR then now and tomorrow looking back at our shoulder looking right down at our shoes right now and seeing where hr is and then marching off into the future with art Mazer at deloitte laurie rudiman at glitch path and let's fix work and dr patty fletcher at sap success factors i'm bonnie d graham we'll be back in 90 seconds don't you dare move okay aaron let's just cut to the chase take us out on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology and compliant operations to hiring, developing and cultivating a culture of success, SAP SuccessFactors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Here we go. We're back with Art Mazer at Deloitte with Lori Rudiman at Glitch Path and Let's Fix Work and Dr. Patty Fletcher, SAP Success Factors and the Dwayne, the sponsor of this wonderful series, Changing the Game with HR. We're going to kick off the roundtable. Officially, we've been going around the table with some very interesting comments here that Art Mazer sent me before the show. Art says, three futures are happening now. Everybody, I want you to take notes. This is important. The future of enterprise the future of workforce, and the future of how work gets done. And he says, chief HR officers and their teams must take the lead with agility and sustain exponential value. That is loaded. Art, help us dissect it, please. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, there's just so much going on, isn't there, to your point. And, you know, I think what we're, what we're finding is we took a big step back. We reflected on so many academic articles and, and other pundits who have predicted the demise of HR. And, um, you know, to be honest, that caused us to think really hard the last number of months in particular about that and tried to look ahead to say, are they right? Is that real? And our view is actually no. Um, you know, they, they don't have it fully right. Um, and, and what we mean by that is that the, the reality is that if we continue to do what we're doing, as in any function, as in any field, we'll find ourselves certainly, you know, by the wayside. But the reality is that those three futures you reference are causing a new opportunity and particularly a new and unique opportunity for the HR function. And, you know, as you referenced earlier, whatever we may call it uh, going forward. And that we, we've got to skate into the future in a really, really different way. Um, so the future of enterprise, as we think about it, is about the way that businesses compete. And they're competing in a faster pace. The lifespan of companies today, as we know it, is um, far shorter, arguably less than 15 years on the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, many of the indexes that we see, uh, as compared to hundreds of years that you know, some of the biggest companies have, have run uh, for long, long times. And the expectations of those enterprises have shifted. There's an expectation in society that's higher now uh, in terms of trust for enterprises than those of governments. It's an Edelman Trust Index is a really interesting measurement, um, and it, it's actually shifted now. The, the trust in enterprises or in business is greater than it is in governments around the world. So the expectations of enterprises to compete in that space and to work in a world where uh, they are under kind of constant scrutiny in society is, is a big shift. The future of workforce, we've been referencing, you know, this idea that we've got expectations that are shifting um, is significant. I think it's in the neighborhood of, I think in the next two years, roughly 40% of the workforce says 
they will prefer to work as contingent or gig economy kinds of workers. Um, those are massive shifts in terms of the expectations of the workforce. And then lastly, this how work gets done in the future is really, in our view, about reimagining the way we do work and how we do it and where we do it. And the infusion of advanced digital technologies that augment and change how we can work to help us elevate as humans to the higher levels of capabilities presents all kinds of opportunity. And HR is in the center of it like mm-hmm. no other function. There's all kinds of great functions in every enterprise, and yet HR sits in the middle of those three futures and has an opportunity to step out and really lead, uh, as you referenced, with this level of agility to help organizations achieve those outcomes. So it's, uh, you know, I said to you earlier, I'm really jazzed about this. This gets me excited because I think mm-hmm. the opportunity for our function is something we just haven't seen before. Thank you. Very interesting. This is this is basically could have been the title of the whole show, The Three Futures of HR. Patty, there's a thought for you for 2019 editorial calendar. Lori Rudiman, love to get you to weigh in on any or all of these, the future of enterprise, the future of workforce, and the future of how work gets done. And I'm so intrigued by those last two, workforce, the workers, the people who do it, and how work gets done. Lori, what are your thoughts, please? Oh, my thoughts are what an exciting and also stressful time to work in the world of human resources. Art was right. I mean, HR sits in the center of all of this. HR is in the center of work, power, politics, money, systems. And if we think about how work gets done in the future, whether we're talking about the physical act of working and what that looks like or whether or not we're contingent or we're full-time employees, everything is on the table. Everything is about to change. And the question that you asked earlier, Bonnie, where are the jobs going? Where are people going to work in the future? Is something that's keeping many people up at night. And I know it's keeping HR professionals up at night because HR currently only has a purview over the world of full-time employees. And as the workforce changes to a distributed Mm -hmm. model and we rely on consultants and vendors and gig economy workers, what's the role of human resources in the future? So that's what I'm thinking about. That's what my colleagues are thinking about. And it is an incredibly exciting time. It certainly is, and you brought up some great concepts of, of how the workforce is changing and morphing and growing and expanding and and becoming what nobody thought it would ever be. Uh, we did have a, a question. We had a show about two weeks ago. Lori, I'll address this to the three of you, and Patty, I'll bring you in a second. And we talked about how far in the future will we be seeing an AI CEO, and this is something that Ooh, Jack Ma at I know. Jack Maud Alibaba said that by 2047, there will be an AI CEO on the cover of Time magazine. And the question, of course, is will we still have a Time magazine? <laughs> and will we still be talking about, will we still be talking about these things? You know, Lori, there's something about yeah. predictions as who will be around to tell us we were wrong. Never mind that one. So now let me move on to Patty Fletcher. Patty, the futures, enterprise, workforce, how work gets done. What's your thought? First of all, I love the breakdown of these three art. They're, they're, absolutely fantastic and just know that I steal with gusto but um, I absolutely attribute where it came from Um, so I love these I was at um, and I I can't name the organization for multiple reasons but I was at a very innovative organization that does the hard stuff the unprecedented stuff and it has a lot to do with space so you can imagine who they are and Mm -hmm. what was so interesting that this it was a 
conference over a few days, and the, the talk track was about the future of innovation. And what was so interesting about this, and, and it was as applied to this organization, what was so interesting is that we didn't talk about the, the technology. We didn't talk about the new stuff in, you know, outside of the earth. We didn't talk about new tools that you could do to create new developments. The entire time, and I think it was a surprise to everybody, we talked about people. We talked about the future of enterprise, and it quickly went to people because mm-hmm. that's who's going to determine if you're going to be around in business. The fourth industrial revolution, as, as um, was pointed out before Art by You, is that, yeah, I mean, the, the lifespan is so very small, and it doesn't matter, and we've seen that in the third industrial revolution, right? It doesn't matter how big you are. You can go down um, pretty quickly, and especially if you can't get the talent, right, and especially if you can't get the customers. And we live in a world where your employees, your contractors, and Art um, pointed out that stat around so many of us are saying, hey, we don't want to necessarily be on your payroll in a few years, but we are somebody who contributes from a work perspective, from a customer perspective, from a partner perspective, in a lot of cases, in all three of those. And oh, by the way, competitor as well. So it's very, very interesting when we think about the future of that absolutely, by the way, technology plays a big role. And yes, I can see the uh, CAIO um, being in place. But you know what? People still do business with people, and these are still very human. And so being able to shift our focus as human capital people, HR people, people people, and look at machines in a different way, and that we're not just thinking the way we used to, which was how do people interact with machines, right? Putting in their payroll, or sorry, accessing their payroll, or putting in their addresses, or they have a life event like someone gets pregnant or has a child or moves, right, Bonnie, something you had to do, Mm -hmm. but instead put on the cap an HR of a human, literally the human piece, and go, and how do these machines need to interact with people, knowing that we have multiple persons? knowing that we have different expectations of our leaders of the organizations and therefore of the work and how we do the work and how we interact with each other. It's extremely exciting, but it also forces a change. And, Bonnie, I think it wasn't off um, offline. I think it was during this call where you questioned, will HR even be around? Yes. And I don't know if the role will be, but I know that some version of that role will be. It just might look a little bit different because as HR, you now have to have multiple capabilities that you can then transcribe into a workforce strategy and execution. Thank you, Patty. Always good to go around the table and get to Patty Fletcher. Uh, Art, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of going back to you, I think we've had some great comments. I'm going to pick up a comment from what Lori Rudiman sent me before the show because she's. T- we're going to take a slightly different look, a slightly different inroad into the topic of what's happening, trends in HR. So, Lori, I'm looking at your notes here, and in your first one you sent me, you say user personalization continued to be a hot consumer trend in 2018, and the desire for customization has arrived within the confines of HR. The employee experience demands a customized user experience in the workplace. Lori, we'd love to know more. Talk to me, please. Oh, I love it. Thank you for asking. Well, you know, at all levels, the employee experience is so important. And in a tight labor market, I firmly believe that recruiters and HR leaders have been pushed to put the employee's experience at the center of everything. And that means policies, processes, systems, 
we need to put the employee first in order to attract and retain those highly productive and talented workers that we've been chasing with our budget dollars and our time and our energy for all these years. And, you know, the benefit of personalization isn't just that we know everybody's name and we're smiley and we're friendly. The benefit of personalization is that our workforce doesn't need to search for resources and information like in the bad old days of human resources where they couldn't get an answer and they had to look in their handbook and everything was up in the air and they had to rely on the single individual within human resources. There are systems and platforms and places now that can deliver people-related information in real time, thus allowing, I think, for increased productivity and efficiency and collaboration within the world of work. So I'm excited about this trend. I think it's a long time coming. And I know Patty can speak at great length about systems that have been in place in human resources, but they have often benefited the HR practitioner. And now I believe that equation is changing. Thank you, Laurie. Very interesting. Patty, you have been summoned. You have been, you have been, uh, yes, just let's say summoned by Laurie <laughs> and by me as well. Patty, personalization, customization, how possible, how realistic is this in the confines or the halls of a big company? How many ways can HR harness that software to say, yes, Bob in this department, Mary in that department, John in that team, and, and, and Arnie in that team, we can customize this experience so you feel like you're really one. You're special, just like you do when you go into a store and they say hello to you. So, Patty, how realistic is it? It's such a big question, and I love it. Um, and it really is a show on its own. So let me touch on that. So we, it is, as Lori rightly said, we think about self-service as a great example of when the common folk, right, people outside of HR, were able to interact with HR systems. Sorry, my phone is buzzing in. Um, with HR systems. And so that was really to the benefit of HR, not to the benefit of the user. So it, it got rid of HR's you know, having to always put in your new address or whatever those transactional things were. And so, it, and they tended to be rather hefty and unfriendly, multiple screens, all that stuff. Again, the, the mindset was around um, how people interact with machines, and we focused on adoption. What Lori is talking about, and it was one size fits all, right? Standardization, mm-hmm. blah, 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 one size fits all. But the truth is, one size doesn't fit all. We all know that our demographics in the workforce are completely different. But what matters about that, and that they'll only continue to be diverse, is the expectations that goes along with it. Generational differences, gender differences, cultural differences, you name it. And so HR has an opportunity, and their opportunity, sure, is that the technology and and the no one-size-fits-all, we can call it customization, personalization, you know, whatever. We all have different words for, for it. But it really is ultimately, this was made for me. And so what that means is HR has to take a step back and go, okay, what are those top personas that we have? And those may differ Mm -hmm. not just from the the typical diversity that we look at, but also from function. What do we need to do to get our job done to be able to make the biggest impact and be able to manage my own stuff so that I can do that or interact with the people around us? The majority of our work is, is absolutely individual contributors, but it's with other people. And so we're starting to see this need as we go to the more persona-based to then go, 
you know what? That mindset around adoption is kind of stupid. We measured um, shelfware, but that's an IT measurement. Instead, HR needs to be thinking about what are those tools that are essential so that mm-hmm. me and my particular persona based on who I am, what I want, what my expectations are, and HR needs to be doing that work and finding out and We have a long way to go on that, and there are multiple ways that they can do it, and technology is one of them, is then to be able to give them tools that are so essential, right? We look at Google. We look at whatever. When we make a decision, we look at Facebook, and those become essential in our decision-making. That's what HR has the opportunity to do with their tools. What is essential to me as a user, whether I'm a contractor or a permanent employee, a leader, or an individual contributor? One way that they can do the personalization and go from the one-size-fits to the, wow, this was made for me and I need it in order to Mm -hmm. perform my job better and to be a good citizen of this company better is Mm -hmm. by HR taking a note from the CMO. And the CMO has used data over the last few years, as Lori talked about, the consumerization of the user over the last few years to really understand not just the transactional pieces of what customers do and not just the sentiment, right, but, but the why, the when, the how, and all of those things together, the motivations, We collect that kind of data around people. Now we need to, and and if we're not, we should be. We need to move beyond the compliance mindset with data, which is what HR has, and and that's not going to go away, but then evolve into the opportunity component where just like the CMO went from procuring advertising to becoming the voice of the market, that the HR role, whatever that might be called, goes from being the corporate steward to being the voice of the talent economy, particularly when we see those trends pick up. And you cannot retain that talent. I don't believe that there is a shortage of talent. I do believe there's a war for talent. And as that competition picks up on who you're going to be able to attract and work in your organization, I didn't say retain on purpose, Mm -hmm. um, is going to be impartial. Do you make it easy for them to be productive, as Lori says? Do you make it easy for them to do business with you and on behalf of you? And in order to do that, you need to get very clear on who they are, what they want, how they want to work, and the kinds of tools that will help them go from where they are, right, meeting them where they are, to where you need them to be. Thank you, Patty. And you know what? We are at the point in time where it's time for the crystal ball predictions round. Believe it or not, we're out of time. And Patty, I'm going to suggest, and I don't think it will take much urging, you and Lori and Art did so much prep work for me in terms of laying out your thoughts on how to approach this huge topic. I'm going to suggest you revisit this in early 2019 for your series renewal opening. Just opener, just a just a, a suggestion there. So let's go around the table. Art Mazer, I didn't get a chance to get you to respond to what Laurie and Patty have been talking about, but if you'd like to make your prediction about that personalization slash make for me slash customization for individual workers within HR, that's up to you. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. That's all we have. Mr. Art Mazer at Deloitte. Predictions, go. Yeah, that's great. So I love all the comments, and I think, you know, as we look to the future, um, it, it will include HR playing that leadership role. I think we're seeing organizations already beginning to make those moves um, and demonstrating their prowess as a function. It's not about having the seat at the table. It's about what we're doing with that seat. And I think it, what we're finding now is that the future is going to be all about those harnessing of the opportunities that allow organizations to make their workers more productive, to deliver better customer experiences, and to create innovation at a faster pace than we've ever seen. And HR is going to be at the center of that. Again, we're seeing evidence of it. It's happening. 
and there's going to be just more and more of it as the um, experiences continue. I think it is around personalization, and it goes around understanding what the end business goal is. It's about achieving those business outcomes, and that's what the future of HR is all about. Thank you very much, Art Mazur. Let's move to Lori Rudiman. Lori, 60 seconds. They're all yours. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. You know, this panel has just been fascinating. I've learned so much, but I'm doubling down on a prediction that I've been making now all year that I believe 2019 is the year of learning for human resources professionals. Mm. We have consistently focused on training budgets and development budgets for other people, but 19 is the year where we say we've got to invest in-house, we've got to skill up, we've got to learn more than just a lexicon, a glossary. We've got to understand not only business concepts, but tech concepts, financial concepts. We're going to get our stuff together in 2019 I believe this is the year that we do it. So it's going to be exciting for a lot of HR professionals who are going to be mentally tired and mentally taxed from learning new things. But if you get on board, <laughs> great opportunities are there for you in 2020. Thank you. I like the acknowledgement of mentally, mentally worn out. Thank you very much. Patty Fletcher, I saved, Patty, I saved two and a half minutes for you because we didn't get to your part of the roundtable in terms of the topics you sent me, and they're all wonderful. So, Patty, I'm going to give you two and a half minutes for predictions. Go ahead. The power of it all. Um, so, thank you. <laughs> so I, I, I want to wrap in, right? So I, I love, Art, what you said and, Laurie, what you said. And I think what we're going to see over the next, let's say, five years, I'm going to push this out a little bit. I'm, I'm not as hopeful as Laurie is in terms of a fast turnaround time for 2019 laying the foundation. I do think that there's going to be a catalyzation, as we saw in the last Industrial Revolution, and we'll see even more of in this one, where the smaller, more flexible companies are really starting to challenge some of the traditional ways that we look at HR and how HR processes through things around systems and, you know, technology and all of that. And that conversation that I think about a lot because I get asked about a lot in the future of, I, I put this, this picture up on a PowerPoint and it's a picture of a robot. And it says, is this your future boss or is this the next employee of the year? And because <laughs> it, right, it just hits down to like what people are worried about. And we see, depending on industry, the number of jobs that are predicted to be replaced by machines over the next few years. And so what I see with HR is absolutely learning the technology pieces, the machine pieces, the augmentation around all of that with people. But I also see the smaller companies really starting to be able to be flexible and push the envelope around not just what machines can do, and there are three categories machines can't do, so we save those for the humans, but what machines can do. And then as a result, looking at how jobs not going away, that's the wrong the wrong viewpoint, but instead how they're evolving. And one of the examples that I put into the notes that I sent you, Bonnie, was, God, think about when Henry Ford came about, right? And, you know, he always said if, if I asked the customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yep, and this is no different, right? So this really is about not just that those poor horse-drawn carriage people didn't have jobs, but all, think about all those jobs that came once the motor vehicle was created. So it's that same kind of mindset shift that we are going to see with HR, particularly in small companies, and therefore disrupting how big companies think, how they work, and how they get the talent that they need. Thank you, Patty. We are totally out of time. It's been such a pleasure. Art Mazur at Deloitte, so nice to have you on. Lori Rudiman at Glitch Path and Let's Fix Work. We shouldn't wait too long to reunite. We need to go have lunch somewhere once the snow clears here in Raleigh-Durham. Dr. Patty Fletcher, always a pleasure, and 
looking forward to another great year of HR Topics with you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Oh, you can all recite it with me. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Art Mazur at Deloitte, and hello to Carla Neal as well. Hello to also, and shout out to Lori Rudiman at Glitchpath, and shout out to Dr. Patty Fletcher at Success Factors at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with a new edition of Business Model Disruption with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.